Hello to all you Mac geeks out there. Welcome to the July 2005 edition of the Macworld Geek Factor podcast. I'm your host, Saruz Faravar. Today on the Macworld Geek Factor podcast, we're going to be having an extended interview with our own editorial director of Macworld magazine, Jason Snell. And I'm going to be talking to him about the Mac Mini, uh, which was covered in the April 2005 issue of Macworld. So if you've got that handy, you may want to follow along. We're going to be sort of looking at the Mac Mini from the inside out, sort of trying to understand what makes it so interesting and what makes it so appealing to a lot of people, given that it's such a small computer, it's got a lot of power, it can be put in all kinds of things. Some people are putting them inside cars, some people are using them as you know DVD jukeboxes. We're going to be talking with Jason about that. I hope you enjoy it. Tell us a little about what your first reaction to the Mac Mini was when you first heard about it. Well, I mean, when we first saw it, we couldn't really believe how, how small it was. I mean, that really was the initial response that we got. And it's sort of unbelievably tiny. And how could they fit a whole G4 Mac inside such a, an amazingly tiny space? And then, you know, the second reaction is, okay, i got to get one, and i got to tear it apart into little tiny pieces to see what makes it tick, which we did, which was great. So that so you brought one here to the office, or you took it home, or what was what sort of happened? Well, let's see. The when usually when a new Mac comes out um, at MacWorld, we basically do an all points bulletin kind of uh, kind of approach to new systems. So you know we talk to Apple about getting uh, Macs from them. They usually loan us systems to to test out. We call our friends at places like Mac Mall and say you know help us get the first one off the truck so that we can do testing. You know, we basically call everybody we know at Apple stores, ev- the whole the whole nine yards. And in the case of the Mini, the first one we got was actually from Apple. And it was one of the first ones sort of out in, in the wild, which was great that we got that straight from Apple. And I felt, therefore, a little bit of remorse when I took the Apple loaner unit and, uh, and tore it apart. But it had to be done for science. So did everybody sort of crowd around and just drool all over it? Oh, yeah, we were walking around with it. Well, the beauty of that is that it's not one of those show-and-tells where you take a... Uh, you take a G5 into the lab, and then you know everybody knows. Oh, the new G5 in the lab. Come into the lab with the mini. It was really like you know I tucked it under my arm and walked around with it, which was cool. I mean, because it was that easy, and people couldn't believe it. I mean, even when they saw the pictures, you know, they assume your brain just tries to put a scale on it and say, well, this is going to be max size. This is going to be like one of those pizza box Power Max from the early Power PC days, and it's just not. So what what did you find when you opened it up? Well, so when we opened up the Mini, clearly the Mini is a machine designed by Apple specifically to fit into this small space. It's definitely not a uh, something you'd get from a PC manufacturer where you're taking sort of stock parts and slapping them in a box because every inch of usable space in the Mac Mini case is used by something that's a part of the Mac Mini. So you've got the issue um, from the April 2005 issue in front of us. Tell me a little bit about how, what the approach was for doing this piece. Okay, so when we when we broke apart the Mac Mini for our Inside the Mac Mini story, you know, the the uh, f- photographing was a challenge because I had to take it apart again. I ended up taking it apart like five or six times. I can I think I can take apart a Mini in my sleep now. But you know, the the process of opening the Mini is pretty straightforward. Never before have so many Mac users rushed out to their hardware store to buy putty knives. I think as they did for the Mac Mini. But you know, a, a really thin putty knife. You know, you now, why the putty knife? That seems like a really obscure tool to to try and... Are they trying to discourage people from opening it? What's the story? Well, I, I don't think so. I think 
that Apple actually has been very encouraging in terms of opening up a Mac Mini. They've told us repeatedly, we just had it clarified again last month, you know, if you open a Mini to install RAM or, you know, anything, as long as you don't break the Mini, as long as they can't prove that your malfeasance while the Mini was open broke it, it's still covered under warranty. And it's a far cry from the old days when you open a Mac and that was it, the game was over. At the same time, you know, they, they didn't make it easily user serviceable. And so there are these slight cracks that you basically pop open and then lift the case off the top. And how do you get it open? Well, you could use a custom case-cracking tool that Apple probably has, or you could do what most of us normal people do, which is find something that's wide enough and thin enough that it can slide in that in that groove and pop the the thing open. And that that's a that's a putty knife. That's a uh, um, a really thin metal putty knife. And and some of them are thinner than others. I've become a connoisseur of these putty knives, but. Um, you can get one that slides into that crack, and you pop it open, and you lift off the little plastic case, and and the the, the guts of the mini are, are exposed, or at least the optical drive and the RAM of the mini are exposed. To get to the rest of what's what makes the mini tick, you've got to start unscrewing things, which is a little scary. Was the was the the discovery of the putty knife something that sort of Mac users all over the place sort of realized independently of each other, or was? I think there was actually a um, an Apple Tech document that leaked into the wild that mentioned a putty knife, or mentioned you know described a putty knife without calling it that. You know, certainly I, I didn't come up with it on my own. I, I heard somebody say, "Well, you need a special tool," and then I heard somebody else say, "Actually, I think a putty knife will do it." And I said, "Well, I have a putty knife. I'm a homeowner. I've spackled things." And so I went home and I actually took one of my a putty knife I had gotten from my father, who I, I believe actually got it from his father. It's like an, this ancient encrusted putty knife. And I thought, you know, never would anyone who made this thing have envisioned what it would be used for in the 21st century. And, you know, it worked. It, it worked great. Popped it open, got the RAM out, uh, and then started unscrewing things. So what would you find when you unscrewed stuff? Well, I mean, the Mini, for anybody who hasn't seen inside, I mean, we've got some pictures online, and I definitely encourage we can, I'm sure, link to those on the show notes. The the optical drive is on top. Uh, you can unscrew the optical drive fairly easily and lift it off. And then when you go underneath, what you, you know, what you end up with is there's this, there's basically the guts of the Mini other than the motherboard are on this plastic tray. So there's the, the optical drive is on top, and then there's a, a, a laptop hard drive below that, um, the speakers on the front of it, and it's all attached to the motherboard by this little um, daughter card that attaches to the, the hard drive and the optical drive. I, actually, somebody asked me if you could put two hard drives in a Mini, and the answer is you probably could, but you would need to rip out the optical drive, so you'd have no, no DVD drive in your Mini, but you could probably figure it out. I, I don't think I'd recommend it. We have, you know, we have replaced the optical drive. It is sort of a standard laptop, and you can get them on the Internet. You can buy a dual-layer burner and that's in that form factor, and it works great. You can buy a larger hard drive. It's a laptop hard drive, and they're not cheap, but you can get more than the 80 gigs that Apple offers. Uh, mine's got a 100-gig drive in it. And then to continue the tour, you, you lift off the, the black plastic tray, which requires, I think, three screws to pull that off. And then underneath is this, you know, it's a motherboard. It's this little tiny square logic board with a little heat sink on it for the G4 processor, the, the RAM slot, the connector slot for the, the, the card that holds the optical drive and the, and the hard drive, uh, some ports on the back. I mean, it's really kind of a marvel that it, it, it's this little tiny thing. Oh, and then the other thing that, that you'll see there is the, the wireless networking slot, which is a separate little card that if you order your your mini with Bluetooth or airport, they get attached to this little daughter card that gets stuck on the motherboard, which is why 
it's not really a do-it-yourself upgrade because I think you can get from Apple a wireless upgrade, but it's not. It comes on the daughter card. The Mini uses a stock Airport Extreme card, but it's attached to this special Mini daughter card that then attaches to the Mini. It's definitely not a. That part of it is not really a DIY thing. I think. Now, knowing that Apple can put all this cool stuff inside such a teeny box, you know, I mean, you've got a G5 tower that you use at your desk, and it's, you know, five, seven times the size of this thing. Knowing now that we can do all of these cool things inside a teeny box, why the difference in, in space? For the G5, a lot of it has to do with heat. It's just that the G5 processor throws off so much heat. If you, if you look inside a G5, it, it really is almost entirely structured about the heat and mitigating against the things that mitigate against the heat. So it's like a little war being fought inside your G5 where you've got the massive heat sink on the G5 processors. It's just this huge lump of metal to radiate off the heat. And then this whole array of fans and a plastic door that creates a vacuum so that there's flow, so that the air blows across the heat sink. And yet the fans have to be coordinated because if they blow too hard, then your machine is loud and nobody likes the noise. And and on the, the Mini, you know, because it's using a G4, it's slower, but it's also lower power, and you end up with, you know, being able to have this little tiny heat sink and a little tiny fan and some vents on the bottom, and it works. That's a big difference. The Mini really, you know, the Mini is laptop technology. It is a desktop laptop. Apple's been able to do that for a while now, and people have tried to get laptops with... Or, or get desktops with laptop technology, but has there been a market for it? It's it's unclear. Apple, though, is making a market for it, saying, okay, we used laptop technology in the iMac to make it basically a screen with a computer in it, and we're using it again to make this incredibly tiny system. The Mac Mini is cool because it's small, but it's more cool because beyond the engineering, it's small and the smallness leads to applications for it, whether it's, you know, you just don't have room, which for some people, that's a pretty basic application. So I want a computer, and this is so much smaller than a, than a tower would be. Um, or I've got, I want to use it as a server, and there's only so much room in my closet. I mean, I've got a G4 in my closet, and I've got a Mini sitting there that is going to replace it in the next couple of weeks because uh, the G4 has loud fans, and it's huge. And I need, I've got two little kids. I need the, I need the closet space, to be honest, for more little kids stuff. Also, it's great for, for attaching it to the TV. I mean, I think that's really one of the big, uh, opportunities. I'm sure that Apple's gonna come out with something more sort of consumer friendly that attaches to a TV at some point. But I'm skeptical, you know, I don't think it's gonna be a computer. I think it's gonna be a playback device and there'll be a computer somewhere else. Um, but for Mac users, you know, the opportunity to attach a Mac to your TV and have it, I mean, I, my my Mini is attached behind my TV, and you can't even see that it's there. And you run it as like a DVR, like a like a TiVo-type device? Yeah, well, I have, I actually have two TiVos, so I don't need another TiVo. But, um, you know, what, what it has been great for is it's been great for playing back web streams on TV, for... Playing back DVDs, I've actually had a couple of DVDs that that I ripped to the hard drive and put away and created a DVD jukebox, all in the name of of MacWorld and of of the advancement of the human race, of course. Um, but you know, it, it, it's doable and it really works. I, I attached it to my stereo system, I attached it to my my widescreen TV, and you know, you you can use some software tools like. Um, some that are, I guess, technically illegal, but not illegal for you as much as for the people who wrote them, dear, dear, dear listener. Um, Mac the Ripper, which is a DVD ripping program that will take your discs and, and put it into a, a file on a hard drive. 
Um, there's a program called Handbrake that will actually reduce it in size. You can convert it into a, a, a better file format. And then there's this great program called Popcorn that basically will look on the hard drive and find your DVD images that you've that you've um, or DVD files that you pulled off your DVDs, and um, you can put in a, a an icon that's like from Amazon. You can get the icon of the DVD and you can paste it in, and you end up with this. Um, kind of front end for your DVD collection, which is actually a really cool idea, the fact that instead of having to, you know, go through all of the DVDs in your collection, that you can have a little DVD jukebox. Good for kids, too. You can load it with kids' DVDs. And then all that's missing is a remote control. And, you know, I was using the Keyspan Express remote, which is a USB remote, little white uh, infrared receiver goes on top of your TV set. USB runs back behind to your mini, and you get a little remote control. And at that point, you can you can drive, you can play DVD player, you can use popcorn, um, you can use uh, M player or VLC to to play back videos downloaded from the internet. Just throwing that out there. Some people do it. I'm not saying that I do it, but but uh, people do it. You know, it's not a replacement for a DVD player unless you don't have a DVD player, in which case, yeah. I mean, if you've got a DVD player, I wouldn't use my Mini for DVD playing. I would use the DVD player for it. But if you don't have one, you don't need one because your Mac has a DVD player in it. And, you know, it's just um, the networking makes it much more of an interesting experience, too. There's not a lot that's available on streaming video right now, but one example is, like, Major League Baseball lets you buy... All of all of the baseball games, or most of the baseball games, for out of market teams, and you can have you have two options: you can buy them on streaming video, or you can buy them on cable or satellite. And for some people, this is a problem because they want to watch them in a window at work, but they also want to watch them when they're home, and they don't want to buy both. And one of the cool things about this Mac Mini attached to your TV scenario is you just buy the streaming video version. You can watch it in a window at work, and when you go home, if you want to watch it on your TV, yeah, it's not going to be as pristine, but you can. Call up the stream, set it to full screen. It's attached to your TV, and I, you know, I've seen um, full screen video from a stream on that Mac Mini played through on my TV, and it looks pretty good. It, it's 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 not, you know, it's sort of like this is what the future is going to be: that video delivered by to to my TV via the internet um, instead of via cable or, or, or satellite, and that's uh, that's pretty cool. And you talked about running your Mac Mini as a server and, you know, putting it in your closet. How difficult is it to set it up to run it headlessly, to run it without a monitor? It is totally doable, which is great because you're, you end up with this little tiny box that kind of floats freely, and yet it can be a server. Uh, you just have to take some steps to prepare. So if, if you want to run it as a server and, you know, you, can, you don't even need to run Mac OS X server, although you can, you can just turn on web sharing and file sharing and install movable type and do your blog. And, I mean, you can really do everything. What you need to do is in the system preferences under, I think it's under keyboard and mice, although it might be under Bluetooth, um, there's an option that basically, uh, because there are now wireless input devices, your Mac by default it doesn't find, if you're not using a PowerBook and you don't have a keyboard or mouse plugged in, it throws up a dialog box that says, I can't find an input device. Please connect your input device now. And it's basically there for you to turn on your Bluetooth keyboard or mouse because it doesn't know it's there. But that gets in your way if you're trying to run something totally headless. So you turn off that preference. Like I said, I think it's in keyboard and mouse or it's in Bluetooth. 
You turn off that preference. You obviously you you to do that you need to attach it to a a, a monitor at first. So you you boot it up. You change those preferences. You you turn on your sharing. You turn on all your servers that you need that you are intending to set up. You turn on remote desktop, which is in the sharing preferences pane, which lets you use either Apple's remote desktop or a VLC client. VNC. Um, Oh, sorry, right. Video LAN is the playback. VNC, the network control, um, VNC client that um, will let you do screen sharing. So you can actually control the Mac's UI even when you're not at its keyboard, which it won't have, or monitor, which it won't have. And then the other thing you do is if if your Mac is not going to be wired, if it's going to be an airport, you attach to your airport network and put in the password and have it save it in the keychain and set your airport preferences to always connect to that base station. And once all of that is done, oh, an energy saver. You turn energy saver to never put it to sleep. <laughs> and I shut it down. I went to another room in my house. I plugged the mini in and pressed power. Speaking of which, that's actually another setting to set is energy saver uh, uh, reboot when the power comes back if you have power outages. I press the button. It, it boots up. It's totally unconnected to anything except the wall via the power brick. And it's up and running, and it's a server, and... You know, it was that it was that simple, which is it, it just kind of blew me away. That means that anywhere that's within range of your wireless network that has power, um, you can stick a server wherever that is in in your in your closet somewhere up on a shelf, whatever, um, behind the piano, right? Um, or in the piano. Or in the piano, if you've got that's true. Although some of the keys might start to sound funny if there's a computer on the strings. But yeah, it, it um it and it works and it's and it's just this tiny little thing. It's So what do you use for it? Is it a file server? I mean, that was more experimental. Right now it's waiting to be to replace my G4 that's blowing its fans night and day and and it's the server in my closet. Some of it is just for me to like learn about and continue to learn about server technology. So I've got movable type on there. I've got a web server running on there. I've got an email server running. I'm currently using um, Eudora Internet Mail Server, which I've been using for years. Um, uh, using the web stuff is served by just stock OS X Apache. Um, I've got some file service on there, FTP, so I can drop files off. I actually just this morning I did some work at home and on my computer at home, and and when I finished, I wanted to. Uh, to make sure that I didn't have to call my wife and say, can you turn on the computer and turn on file sharing so that I can get that file? So I put it on the server, which so that I could just uh, mount it in the finder here at work and, and copy the file off, which I did this morning, which was great. Um, so it's just, you know, part of it is just to learn and part of it is to have control over, you know, I can create a new, I can install movable type up on one, I can create a new mount point for my server if I want to, and that's great, but I'm getting tired of hearing that fan humming at 2 in the morning when I'm trying to go to sleep. And so it'll be good to replace it with the Mini because it's going to save a lot of space. Have you explored, uh, either heard from people or done it yourself with, with putting the Mini in, in cars or, or hacking it in other, other kinds of interesting ways like that? Yeah, there's a guy in the South who has put a Mini in his car. Um, and I think the Mini's in the glove box and then he's got a, he's got an LCD display. And I know that the guys from Macworld Expo are actually trying to get a, a, a like a little road rally going, where um, a bunch of these kind of modded cars are going to. Um, they want them to to drive to Macworld Expo in San Francisco and maybe even give them a place to show on the show floor. Um, it, it's a it's a cool idea. I, you know, it's it's obviously for one tenth of one tenth of one percent of the people who who are Mac users because it, it requires somebody to be a really kind of deep Mac hacker plus 
car hacker. And I don't know if it's really necessary in life, but it's pretty cool, and and, and you can do it. I mean, I, I could I could totally see it. The you know the problem right now, and it goes for cars or TVs or anything else, is that the Mac OS lacks an app that is a good TiVo-like, remote-control-driven kind of universal access app for things like your photos and your videos and your music. And, you know, you can drive iTunes with the Keyspan remote. You can run Popcorn with the Keyspan remote, but it takes a lot of setup. And it's, you know, some of it, you know, you can't really read what's on the screen because the type is small because it's meant to be on a computer screen. And I think that's the real missed opportunity or yet to be missed or opportunity maybe for the for the Mac Mini. Hopefully somebody out there is working on something already because what I really want is an app that basically takes over my Mac Mini's screen on my TV set and makes it like a TiVo interface where I can say pictures and it's hooked up to iPhoto and it shows me my iPhoto libraries and lets me choose a slideshow or it lets me browse through my iTunes library and play you know, shuffle through an artist, all from a very simple-to-use iPod-like interface. Um, At a lower resolution, so you can watch it on your TV. Well, right. Well, with a with a with a you know the type being big enough that you can actually see it at 640 by 480, um, because some of that the, the the it's so small when you're sitting across the room six feet away that that um, that you can't you can't read it because it's not it's meant for high-res computer interface that's right in your face four inches away. Um, and I hope somebody comes up with that because at that point, you know, installing a Mac in a car or in a home theater is going to be a lot easier. But you really need that like master app that, um, you know, and maybe it's got a lot of plug-in capabilities so that different apps can people can write Apple scripts that'll support new menus, whatever. You know, that's what we really need because um, the Keyspan remote is great, but it is only half the picture, and the other half really needs to be something that gives me that TiVo kind of kind of interface to the multimedia stuff on my Mac. Uh, Windows Media has that. The Windows Media Home Media Center or whatever Microsoft is calling it, Home Media Edition, you know, they've got a really good me- basic menu system. And I, I think the reason Apple hasn't done it is because they've probably got a product in, down the road that's going to do that. But I don't believe that it's necessarily going to be a Mac-based product. And if that's the case, then there's an opportunity for somebody to come up with that menu system so that I can buy a Mac Mini and slap it in my uh, in my TV cabinet and do all of this cool stuff that you know you can do with a computer power attached to your TV. Great. Well, anything else you'd like to add? You know, one thing I wanted to talk about just briefly, which is that people are people ask me a lot: Is Apple selling a lot of Mac Minis? What's going on? Are a lot of switchers switching to the Mac Mini? And I think. Apple is selling a lot of Mac Minis, but I think that the Mac Mini has another feature that is just as important, which is that its price tag gets people in the Apple Store. Its price tag gets people to take moving to a Mac seriously. And I think what 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 is really happening is a lot of people are going into the Apple Store because at $499, they're thinking of picking up a Mac Mini. And then they get in there, and they're thinking, well, yeah, but my monitor's kind of bad. You know, do I really want to use this with a with 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 my monitor and my old PC keyboard? And you know, and then they see the iMac, and they walk out with an iMac. They go they go in thinking they're going to get a Mac Mini, um, but they end up with an iMac because they can just get all in one package, new flat panel display, you know, the whole thing in one package. Um, and I think that's happening a lot. I think the Mac Mini has sold a lot of iMacs. 
Um, the Mac Mini is a great little product, and I think that for a lot of people, it is exactly what they're looking for. And I think it's really opened the door for for um, window switchers as well as being a great second, third Mac for people's houses. But um, it has this other feature that I think people aren't talking about as much, which is that I think that this Mac Mini opens that conversation with people who wouldn't have thought about buying a Mac. And a lot of them are ending up with iMacs or PowerBooks or iBooks. But um, the Mini is the reason that they would even give it the time of day. Well, and probably the, the, the size and the hackability feature is also attractive. Uh, yeah, well, not to general consumers, but I think I think to um, to other people, the idea that you can pop it open, there's some stuff. I mean, it doesn't have really expansion slots or anything like that, but the fact that you c- you can max it out, that, that it's not... You know, it's more hackable than an iBook or a PowerBook, so that if you want to put in a, a big laptop hard drive later, you, you know you can because it's just a laptop hard drive, and you can get to it, and you can swap it out. For people who are worried about upgrading, I think, yeah, I think that that's one of the appeals is that you can, you, you're not going to void your warranty, and it's not impossible to get this stuff out. And as somebody who's taken apart an iBook, let me tell you, that's hard to do. Taking apart a mini is not even close. So um, that is an advantage, I think, for administrators, schools, you know, people with uh, little server farms, all that sort of thing. Great. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. All right. So that's our show for the July 2005 edition of the Macworld Geek Factor podcast. We're going to be making some changes to the podcasting experience over here at Macworld, so feel free to send your suggestions, ideas, tips, questions, anything like that. Uh, we'd be more than happy to entertain them. Have a good week, everybody. 